Uh, we are in the fourth week of a sermon series titled Just Before the Cross. Um, in this series, we are looking at all that Jesus taught his disciples just before he was arrested and crucified to death. Uh, this set of teachings is captured for us in the Gospel according to John, chapters 13 to 17. So in this sermon series, we are walking through these four chapters. In the last sermon, if you remember, we saw that Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit or the Comforter to his disciples. And if you remember from the sermon, uh, Jesus used a very unique word to describe the Holy Spirit, parakalitos, parakalitos. This week and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be putting the spotlight on everything Jesus said about this parakalitos or the Holy Spirit in his farewell address. So John chapter 13 to 17, we're going to be looking at all that Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to be looking at two passages from John chapter 14 and next couple of weeks, we'll work our way through the rest of the chapters where Jesus makes specific references to the Holy Spirit. So we're looking at two passages from John chapter 14 today. John chapter 14 verses 15 to 17. If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Next, John chapter 14, verses 24 to 26. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, Jesus said. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. This is the word of the Lord. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit? How do you know that you have the Holy Spirit? How do I know that I have the Holy Spirit? That is the first of the two questions I'm hoping to answer in the sermon this morning. Next, how exactly does the Holy Spirit work in us? If we can't see Him, if we can't hear Him audibly, how exactly does the Holy Spirit who lives in us work in us? And that's the second question I'm hoping to answer this morning in this sermon. So we're going to be looking at two questions today. How do I know that I have the Holy Spirit? And second, how exactly does the Holy Spirit work in us? So two things we're going to be drawing out from everything Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. Let's start with the first question. 
how do I know I have the Holy Spirit? If you're a young believer, or if you're still growing in your faith, or if you're still figuring out what faith in Jesus is, or if you're going through a season of doubt and, and struggle and, and challenges, this is an extremely crucial question we need to answer for ourselves. How can I be sure that I have the Holy Spirit living in me? And I'd like to give us two simple steps through which you can answer this question for yourself. Two simple steps. The first step, two questions actually. The first step, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Verse 17 in the passage we read tells us, where Jesus tells his disciples, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world doesn't know him. Then Jesus goes on to say, you know the Holy Spirit for he dwells with you and will be in you. The word know here, where Jesus says you know the Holy Spirit, the word know here is not physical knowledge, but it is spiritual believing. Think about this for a minute. How do we know Jesus? Have any of us seen Jesus physically? No, none of us have seen him physically. But we do believe in him, right? Absolutely, yes. We believe by faith. Uh, speaking about Christ, 1 Peter 1.8 captures this beautifully. It says, though you have not seen Christ, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. We have not seen Jesus physically, but we know him by spiritually believing in him. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. No one has seen him physically, but we believe in him. So that's the first question. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? The first step to discerning whether I have the Holy Spirit in me. The second step is another very simple question. The second step to answer the question, how do I know that I have the Holy Spirit? And here's the next step. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is both your Lord and your Savior? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe that Jesus is God and fully submit to him, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. It is as simple as this. But how can I say this? Where, where am I getting this from? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. No one, the Bible says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Unless the Holy Spirit, except in the Holy Spirit. It's a pretty deep word there. Unless we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we are incapable of believing in Jesus. Because the Bible tells us that we are spiritually dead in our transgressions. We are dead in our sins. David says, 
Surely I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. From the time I was conceived in my mother's womb, I am a slave to sin. I'm dead in my transgressions. And the last time I checked, corpses do not have the ability to believe in anything. It is only because the Holy Spirit has regenerated our hearts that we're able to believe in Jesus. Theologians say regeneration precedes faith. We need to be born again by the Holy Spirit, Jesus says in John chapter 3, before we can believe in Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you because apart from the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to believe in Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot believe in Jesus. So this is how we can be sure that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. If I truly believe in Jesus, truly believe, not, not a namesake, true faith in Christ, true faith that translates into good works, true faith that is visible in action, true faith that is being displayed in ongoing sanctification, then that is the final and ultimate test that we have the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, it's not just enough if we know we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We need to cooperate with Him. We need to participate with everything the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And there are two mistakes that we often make about the Holy Spirit. Two common mistakes. The first mistake is that we associate the Holy Spirit only with intense experiences. That's the first mistake. The second mistake, the second and the opposite mistake, is to live our lives totally indifferent to the Holy Spirit. And truth be told, I would imagine almost all of us, no exceptions, kind of swing from one extreme to another. Like for a season, maybe a day, maybe a couple of days, maybe a few days, we, we are just so aware, so, so in intense enjoyment of the Holy Spirit. And before you realize it, you can spend a month completely indifferent to the Holy Spirit. So two, two mistakes. Some of us make the mistake of assuming that if I am not having intense, powerful, profound experiences, then I don't have the Holy Spirit. That's not true at all. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does lead us to, to intense experiences. He, he fills our hearts with inexpressible joy. But sometimes He does not. And so while some of us are, are chasing and associate the Holy Spirit only with intense experiences, some of us are extremely uncomfortable with any kind of intense experience. We run away from this. We stifle such experiences. We, we just pay mere lip service to the Holy Spirit. And we don't really experience Him in any meaningful way. And this too is wrong. This is the second error. We cannot put the Holy Spirit in a box in either way. 
And so that's the first thing I wanted to draw out for us from this passage. It is not just intense experiences. It is not just any specific experience, but our faith in Christ. That is the ultimate evidence that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. So that's the first thing I wanted to draw out. Let's move to the second question we are hoping to answer this morning. How exactly does the Holy Spirit work in us? You know, we tend to think that suddenly the Holy Spirit will come and suddenly we will change. It's like miraculous change. Yes, things happen like that. And so the Holy Spirit works like that. But that's not the only way he works. And we're going to really try and understand how does the Holy Spirit work in us. One caveat before I go on, this sermon is not an encyclopedia about the Holy Spirit. So please don't expect to hear everything there is to hear about the Holy Spirit. This sermon is limited to what Jesus told about the Holy Spirit to his disciples in John chapter 14. And so if you don't hear me talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, etc., in this sermon, please don't go home confused or don't go home disappointed. As we work our way through all that Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit to his disciples in John chapter 13 through 17, we will look at different aspects of how the Holy Spirit works. So this is not a complete sermon. This is a sermon is limited to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. How exactly does the Holy Spirit work in us? John chapter 14 verse 26. But the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So according to Jesus in this passage, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to teach us and to remind us of everything that Jesus himself taught us. And I'd like to show us in two specific ways in which the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance all that Jesus has taught us. First, the Holy Spirit brings the teachings of Christ to remembrance, not just intellectually, but by captivating the affections of our hearts with the very presence of Christ. The word remembrance is a translation of the Greek compound word hypomimnesco. Hypomimnesco. Two words. Hypo means to place something alongside something else. So in the context of the passage, this means the Holy Spirit places the spiritual presence of Christ alongside us, hypo. The word memnesco means to awaken to memory. This involves our entire being, not just our intellect. So hypo memnesco quite literally means the Holy Spirit places the very spiritual presence of Christ alongside us in our hearts as he reminds us all that Christ taught us. 
And as the Holy Spirit brings the very person of Christ to bear upon our hearts all the teachings of Christ, all the doctrines of the Bible become like honey to our souls. We learn to feast on the teachings of Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Our hearts are awakened to enjoy the truths of the gospel. For example, in a sermon, I could explain adoption, that God adopts us because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. And some people may hear the sermon as just a rational understanding of the meaning of adoption. It impacts them. Of course it impacts them. They understand it. They appreciate it. But some other people in the same sermon, but for some other people in the same sermon, they could experience a, a real and rich, hard experience of, of literally being adopted by God out of their orphanness. It doesn't become a, just a teaching. It doesn't remain just a teaching. It becomes a vivid and a real experience in our hearts. This would be the work of the Holy Spirit. He makes the truth real in our hearts. The Holy Spirit makes Christ near to our hearts. And so the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to make Christ real and present in our hearts. The Holy Spirit always points us to Christ. Another way to understand this is to see the Holy Spirit as a comforter. That's a word this passage uses, parakalitos, comforter. Imagine a wife who has just delivered a baby through a C-section. And recovery from a C-section, a cesarean section, uh, can be painful. And now imagine the husband, the loving husband that he is, he's comforting his wife. And this is how he comforts his wife. He says, darling, I love you so much. Think of my love for you and, and the pain will go away. Do you think that's going to work? Not at all. Not at all. That's not going to work as much as the husband may love her. You know, Aji and I know a woman who slapped her husband in the labor room. She was going through labor and this husband, good intention, I'm sure he loved his wife. He was trying to console his wife and don't worry, darling, the pain will go away and you know, all that things that uh, sometimes we as insensitive husbands can say, not really understanding. And then he was going on and on and on through maybe hours of labor pain. There came a point she couldn't take it no more. She just slapped the husband. She said, all this is because of you. Now you keep quiet. Uh, that couple is not in New City Church. They're from Chennai. Don't try and guess. That kind of comfort is not going to work. And that's not the kind of comfort this passage is talking about. Now imagine the same husband comforting his wife like this. Darling, the doctor has prescribed painkillers. Give it a few more minutes. Bear with it just a little bit longer and the effects of the painkiller will kick in and your pain will soon go away. 
Will this comfort the wife? Yes, it will. You see, in this example, the husband himself, the husband is the comforter, but he himself is not the comfort though. The husband is comforting the wife by pointing to the painkiller medicine that will bring real comfort. Uh, in a devotional that Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, if you've heard of him, is often referred to as the prince of preachers. In a devotion that he wrote in 1850 about the same passage, this is how Spurgeon puts the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is how he describes the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Spurgeon says, The Holy Spirit consoles us, but Christ is the consolation. The Holy Spirit is a doctor, but Jesus is the medicine. The Holy Spirit heals the wound, but he is applying the holy ointment of Christ's grace. And then Spurgeon goes on to say, the Holy Spirit is the comforter, but Jesus, he is the comfort. And so the Holy Spirit comforts us, not by himself, but by pointing us to the comfort we have in Christ. The Holy Spirit comforts us by reminding us of the eternal truths and the eternal blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit never works independent of Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit always administers Christ to our hearts. He administers Christ to our hearts, not as an abstract, impersonal concept, but he administers Christ to our hearts as a deeply personal and intimate experience. Hupo Memnesco. He brings Christ, the spiritual presence of Christ, alongside us in our hearts. That, Jesus says, is the primary ministry of the Paracletos, the comforter whom he introduced to his disciples in John chapter 14. So that's the first specific way in, in terms of exactly how the Holy Spirit works in us. He does miracles. He brings healing. He does all of that. We look at that as those things as we move along. The primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to administer Christ to our heart. Even those healings and miracles and all of that is all, they're all designed to administer Christ to our hearts. The second way, specifically how the Holy Spirit works in us. Here's the second way. The Holy Spirit does not teach us anything new. He only brings to life what Christ has already revealed in his word, the Bible. The Holy Spirit does not teach us anything new. Look at verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will never teach us anything that has already not been revealed to us in the Bible. He does not teach new things, but rather the Holy Spirit illuminates and brings to life what is already there in the Bible. 
this is a given. Every theologian, everybody accepts this. This is a given. But how exactly does the Holy Spirit make God's word, the Bible, come alive in our hearts? I'm really, I really want to get under the hood here. At one level, the Holy Spirit is mysterious. We cannot understand him. But at another level, the Bible has invited us. It has given us some insight. So I really want to get under the hood. You know, when we, we say things like the Holy Spirit told me, the Holy Spirit led me, I want to really get under the hood and show us biblically how the Holy Spirit tells us anything. Imagine spending um, a night in, in a forest without any light whatsoever. Imagine it's dark and cloudy and it's a moonless night and there is no light at all. It is pitch dark. You do not have access to any light whatsoever, but you have to work your way out of the forest. You have to hike through the forest in and out of it. And that's a challenge you're given. For light, you are given two options and you can choose one of the two. You are given frequent flashes of lightning. And you know, you know what happens when lightning strikes, everything is lit and you can see and then the, in a minute it's gone and you walk through. So the first option you have to hike through the forest, think of this as an illustration, as you hike through the forest is frequent flashes of lightning. That's the first option. The second option you're given is that you could develop night vision before you hike through the far forest in the dark of the night. Which of these two options would you rather pick? Would you choose the occasional flash of lightning or would you choose developing night vision to hike through the forest? Of course, we'll all choose the latter. That, that's the easier way to hike through a forest in the pitch dark of the night, isn't it? You see, the Holy Spirit does not only illuminate God's word occasionally by flashes of lightning. What the Holy Spirit does is he illuminates God's word to us by helping us develop night vision. Listen, when most of us think of how the Holy Spirit reminds us of God's word, we tend to think of it as flashes of lightning. Well, make no, have no doubts about it. The Holy Spirit will give occasional flashes of lightning. He will illuminate parts of God's word that you have not understood before. He would bring it to memory. He will give you those flashes of lightning. But here's the question. Can we navigate the darkness of this world only with such occasional flashes of lightning? Definitely not. You see, if the Holy Spirit works only by giving us occasional flashes of blinding insight, if that's the only way he works, we're all going to be lost in the forest. No one can navigate through a dark forest just with occasional flashes of lightning. But praise be to God, the Holy Spirit not only gives us flashes of lightning, but he changes our vision. He uses God's word 
to change the way we see everything. That is the deeper, more constant, and the lifelong work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit make God's word or the gospel as the new vision through which we see the world. All of us are wearing glasses when we see the world. You might be wearing the glasses of your upbringing. You might be wearing the glasses of the culture you were born and raised in. You, will be, you are wearing the glasses of, of life experiences that have deeply impacted you. There is no one who sees the world without any glasses. And every one of those glasses are imperfect. Every one of those glasses do not capture the full truth of God. So how the Holy Spirit works in us, he makes God's word, the gospel, our vision. The Holy Spirit makes God's word a night vision that helps us see this dark world. And so rather than only give flashes of lightning, he will give flashes of lightning. The Holy Spirit gradually develops God's word as our new vision. The Holy Spirit will not be content allowing God's word to remain an external light to us. Lightning is an external light. He's not going to be content with that. The Holy Spirit is deeply committed to working in every one of us by giving us a new vision to see the world through God's word. He is not content to illuminate God's word externally. He wants to illuminate God's word internally by completely changing our worldview. The Holy Spirit wants to internalize God's word in every one of us. He does not want to merely give us God's word as information, but the Holy Spirit wants us to internalize God's word so much that it becomes a worldview. He wants to make God's word so deep. He wants to embed God's word so deep in us that it just becomes the way we see everything. He wants to give us a new vision of God's word to see this dark world through the light and the hope of the gospel. Listen. The Holy Spirit does not want us to survive on three Bible verses for the next 10 years of our lives. The Holy Spirit wants our whole being to be deeply infused by the whole counsel of the whole world of God, word of God. So when Jesus told his disciples, he will remind you, he will bring to remembrance all that I have taught you. If you read Luke chapter 24, Jesus says all of the Bible is about himself. He's saying the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the whole counsel of God's word into our hearts by bringing and making the very presence of Christ real in us. This is a slow process. 
It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in one year. It's not going to happen in five years. I don't, it doesn't matter how mature a Christian you are, how faithful a Christian you are. It's not going to happen in five years. It's going to take a long time. It's probably going to take a lifetime. And this is a slow process. But the Holy Spirit is faithfully helping us develop this new vision of seeing the world through God's word as we read and reread and reread and reread and meditate and pray on the Bible again and again and again. You know, if we, if we were to be honest with one another, our Bible reading can sometimes be boring. Most days, it can be boring. It's boring because the Holy Spirit does not drop a bolt of lightning every day. If the Holy Spirit were to bolt, uh, was to drop a bolt of lightning every day, every morning you pick up God's word and you're sleepy, but the moment you see the first word, wow, there's a revelation and you're, you're transformed. If the Holy Spirit were to drop a bolt of lightning every day, you and I, we will never develop a new vision. We'll be content to remain with those bolts of lightning. Only when there is no lightning in sight will we desire to do the hard work cooperating with the Holy Spirit to develop God's word as a new vision. So sometimes feeling bored reading God's word is a good thing. Because when we are bored and when we are persevere in reading and understanding and enjoying God's word, the Holy Spirit is beginning to work on giving us a new vision. So the next time you find Bible, the Bible, your daily Bible reading boring, remember this. When there is no lightning, the Holy Spirit is developing your vision in God's word. He's committed to do that. That's what he does, bring to remembrance all that Jesus has taught us. Let me speak even more practically. If we don't enjoy a love discipline of reading God's word daily, if we don't do that, but if we expect every time we go to God in prayer, praying, uh, God, should I marry this person or not? Should I take this job or not? Should I stay in this job or should I look for, look for another job? If that's all we want to hear, if we don't read God's word daily, then basically we are telling God that he can throw the new vision he wants to give us in the dustbin and we want to live life by lightning alone. That's what we are telling us. We, that's what we are telling God. Functionally, practically. And so here's the application that I want to close with. I want to invite every one of us to a decision right now. How are you going to live your life? How are we going to live our lives? Are we going to live our lives from one lightning to another? Or would you, or would you like to live your life by allowing the Holy Spirit to develop a new vision of God's Word, in God's Word, as you daily read and meditate on God's Word? even during times that it might be boring. If you are living from one lightning to another, you know it. 
every now and then uh, a sermon will be deeply impactful to you every now and then uh, a, a discussion in a gap group will, will really convict you and after that uh, there's nothing at all till the next sermon convicts you or till the next retreat kind of really moves you or till the next discussion really motivates you is, is that how we want to live or do we want to commit ourselves to daily reading God's word so that the Holy Spirit can bring to remembrance all that Jesus has taught us, which has been revealed to us and given to us in the canon of the scripture, the Bible. I want to invite us to make that decision today. Make that decision here and now. How would you rather live? But here's the good news. You know, we don't have to strive and manufacture this. The reality is, you and I, we don't have to make this happen. The ball is not in our court. This is not our burden to carry. Again, praise be to God, through the death and the resurrection of Christ on this cross, Jesus has already given the Holy Spirit to us. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance. See, Jesus is not saying, remember everything that I told you. He says, I have given you, I will send you a helper. I will send you a paracletos. And the paracletos could never come. The Holy Spirit could never come and dwell and live in us except through the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Because the death and the resurrection of, our, of Christ Jesus and our faith in Christ Jesus has justified us, has cleansed us of our sins and has clothed us with the righteousness of Christ. Our faith in Jesus has made us so perfect, so righteous, not with our own righteousness, but with the righteousness of Christ. We have been made so righteous that God's Holy Spirit can come and live in us. In the Old Testament, in the temple, when you go to the Holy of the Holies, you can go only once a year. And you can only go once a year, not only everyone, not everyone can go once a year, only the high priest can go once a year. But here we're not even talking about going to an external temple in the Holy of Holies where God dwells. But we're talking about each of us who believe in Jesus being made so righteous by clothed with the righteousness of Christ that the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, dwells in us. And that's the good news. That we don't have to strive. We don't have to make... We don't have to contribute to this. We can contribute nothing. We only need to participate. And this helper, the comforter, or the paracletos, the Holy Spirit whom Jesus has sent, he will teach us and bring to our remembrance all that Jesus has taught us. Let us pray. Father, this morning we pray not just for ourselves, but we pray for even our children, Lord, who too have been 
listening to your Holy Spirit. Who too have been hearing about your Holy Spirit. We want to humble our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we want to invite you, Lord. We invite you. Not on uh, our strengths. But we invite you on the strength of God's word. We invite you, Holy Spirit, because Jesus promised us that he will send a helper, comforter, the Holy Spirit to dwell with us and in us. And so we pray according to your will. We pray according to God's word. We pray not just for ourselves, but for our children too. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon every one of us and illuminate the canon of scripture, illuminate the Bible, your word to us, that slowly, day by day, your word might become the vision through which we see this world. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.